0: Last Sunday on the way out, Pastor Peter Nadiata said to me, uh, you should preach Psalm 46. And uh, I'm so glad that he did because as I looked again at Psalm 46 my heart was encouraged and stirred to know that in time of trouble God is our refuge and our strength that we truly can trust him in this time of trouble let me read the psalm and then see what God has to say for us to us today Psalm 46 beginning in verse 1 to the choir master of the sons of Korah according to Alamoth a song. Now let me pause for a moment and uh, just say that Alamoth is a word that is in the family of words that speak about young women. And perhaps in this heading it's meant say that this song is to be sung by sopranos because sopranos have that high-pitched voice and normally in times of fright or fear uh, our voices are raised to that high pitch so it's a it's, it's a song according to Alamoth. Listen now to the rest of the psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In times of greatest trouble, we turn, we must learn to not fear, to not faint, and to not fret because God is always present. We know that life is full of trouble. I don't need to remind you of that today. The news reminds us every day of how many new cases of COVID-19 there are, and how many deaths because of the virus. Entire nations are on lockdown. Many states across the United States are on lockdown. The stock market is plunging downward. People are out of work. There's a shortage of medical supplies. The healthcare system is being taxed beyond its limit and we could go on and on. This is a cataclysmic event of such a proportion That the false prophets are talking about how this is God's final judgment. It's the seven seals and the seven bowls and the trumpets of Revelation. But they are false prophets. Certainly God is in control of the coronavirus. But as Christians we must discern whether it is his judgment on sin and sinners as some may say that America is being judged because it is immoral, it is a baby-killing nation, and certainly as it is. But is this God's final judgment on sinners? Or is it rather God's gracious gift to both believers and non-believers. It reminds us of the uncertainty of life and the brevity of life. It breaks us of our idolatrous dependence on money and health and freedom. And it prompts us to consider our frailty, that our life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Perhaps it is God's gracious gift to bring us to depend on him rather than independence to humility rather than pride perhaps it is God's gracious gift to sinners and rebels to remind them that life is uncertain and death is real that all of the things that matter to them can be lost in a moment and that nothing but belonging to the living God can give peace and joy in in the midst of this time of trouble. This is a cataclysmic event. But like other cataclysmic events, hurricanes and floods and fires and war, we're reminded daily in our life that life is full of unpredictable troubles. And in times of trouble, but not only in times of trouble, but especially in times of trouble, we must know that God is our refuge and strength. The psalm and the setting that I will suggest provide for us an illustration of an overwhelming situation and an answer for that overwhelming situation. The psalm will show us the proper response to those formidable situations in life, those perplexing predicaments, those mountainous troubles, those seemingly unsolvable problems, those times when human reasoning and human resource only offer empty solutions. This psalm will show us how to react when all of the indicators of deliverance are negative. When we are, as we say, at the end of our rope, or as some would say, when it appears the world is coming to an end, what do we do? Where do we go? The psalmist here found himself in a situation where he had to trust God in the midst of an of an insurmountable trouble, verse one sets the stage very in a very lovely way. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And verse seven and verse 11, repeat that theme in different words. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. As I understand this psalm, um, the setting for it is found in 2 Kings verses eight, or chapters 18 and 19 and 2 Chronicles chapter 32 along with Isaiah 37. You may want to read them later, 2 Kings 18 and 19, 2 Chronicles 32 and Isaiah 37. It was King Hezekiah's fourth year. Shalmaneser, the king of Assyria ten years before, had defeated the northern kingdom, had taken them into captivity, and had come down into Judah and besieged almost all of the cities of Judah, including Jerusalem. Now the king is Sennacherib. And Sennacherib is camped outside Jerusalem with a vast army. He's employing psychological warfare. He's threatening the soldiers on the wall. He's reminding them how other nations have failed to withstand the onslaught of the Assyrians. He's intimating to them that their God, Yahweh, is displeased with them because they have broken down all of the high places under Hezekiah. They have destroyed uh, the idols and God is displeased with them. He threatens them that they will eat their own dung and they will drink their own urine. And Hezekiah's response in 2 Kings 19 is simply this. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he went into the temple of the Lord. He sought God. And as he seeks a word from Isaiah the prophet, all of the other prophets are saying... Trust Egypt, get help, depend on the strength of Egypt to push out the Assyrians. But Isaiah the prophet comes and says, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it For my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. And we know that God marvelously and miraculously intervened because that night an angel of the Lord went through the camp of Assyria and killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. And the rest fled, and the king fled. And when they fled back to their house, the king's own son took his life and killed him many have suggested that Hezekiah is the author of this psalm if not the author at least the deliverance in Hezekiah's day provides a wonderful setting for the psalm and as I said there are three conclusions we can draw from this psalm that are based upon three convictions The first conviction is, I will not fear. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. When Sennacherib's men were taunting the Judean soldiers on the wall, the Jews asked them, please don't, don't speak to us in Hebrew because we don't want all of the other people to be filled with fear. And the Assyrians said, we will speak to you in Hebrew because we want everybody to be filled with fear. This is Satan's attack on the people of God. To bring them to fear rather than to faith. To want them to believe that before them is some unconquerable foe. Some formidable circumstance that is so overwhelming that they must succumb to it with fear. But we know from scripture that the character of those who are in the midst of trouble who know the living God the character of those who know God is to have faith in him not to fear their circumstances I've shared with you many times in my life uh, how I was struck with fear rather than faith and how God had to humble me and bring me to faith I was reminded of that the other day when one of my granddaughters called me. And she said, Pop, I'm really concerned about this coronavirus. How do you respond to it? And I said, you know, when I became a believer 50 years ago, coming out of the drug culture, my mind was filled with all kinds of fears and paranoias. And some of the first verses I learned were these. Psalm 34.4 I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 2 Timothy 1, seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." And I quoted them to her. And then I said, you should memorize them and think about them often because they are just as true today as they were 50 years ago when they first comforted my soul. And she said, would you text them to me? And that's what I would encourage for you. Those verses are true from a thousand years ago when David first wrote them or when Paul wrote them. They are true today. I will not fear. When you look at verses 2 and 3, you see the, the metaphors that the psalmist uses to describe the cataclysmic uh, trouble that he's facing. He portrays the massive Assyrian army outside his walls under physical images. He Presents physical images. The earth is is falling away. It's giving way. The mountains are being moved into the sea. But what what do you do when the the earth is falling out beneath you and the mountains are falling into the sea? What do you do when you have hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers camped outside your walls? What do you do? This is a an unthinkable, formidable. Overwhelming situation, and that's exactly what Sennacherib wanted the Jews to think. That's exactly what Satan wants believers to think about the troubles in our world and the troubles in your life. Yet Hezekiah says, I will not fear even though the earth gives way even though the mountains fall into the sea I will not fear and you have to ask why how can you say that and he says because I have a refuge I will not fear because I have a refuge I have a high tower inaccessible to the enemy a place of safety that is accessible to the man of faith God is my refuge and my strength a very present help in trouble Elohim that transcendent powerful creator God who is yet present is my refuge and my strength It has been suggested that this was Martin Luther's psalm, that he particularly loved this psalm because after he opposed the selling of indulgences and was told to recant and would not recant and was condemned by the church, It was his friends who kidnapped him and took him safely to the Wartburg uh, uh, Castle. And there in that castle for some time he sat in safety and many believe that Amongst other things, perhaps the the hymn that we sing came out of that time. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal life prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us well. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. But he says, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing us ask who that may be? Christ Jesus it is he Lord Sabaoth his name from age to age the same and he must win the battle. I will not fear for I have a refuge. You don't need to fear your struggles in marriage your struggles with money your struggles with work your struggles with kids with relationships relationships, your fears about your health. You don't need to fear COVID-19. I have a refuge. God is my refuge and my fortress. But not only does the psalmist tell us that we need not fear, he declares, I will not faint. He says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Think of it, 185,000 soldiers encamped outside of Jerusalem. The Assyrians thinking that they have cut off all of the water supply. They have cut off the food supply. They will bring this city to destruction, to famine. And we do know that later when the Babylonians did the same thing in 586 BC, that they did shut off the water supply. They did shut off the food supply. And things got so bad then that the Jews were eating their own children. And this is what Sennacherib thinks will happen in this moment. But little does he know that Hezekiah foresaw what would happen. And those streams that were running into Jerusalem like the Siloam tunnel that ran under the walls of Jerusalem that was fed by fresh springs outside the city if you go back in the book of chronicles and kings you begin to understand that that Hezekiah covered over these springs. He camouflaged them so that the Assyrians would not find them. And while the Assyrians are sitting outside thinking that they are dying of thirst, the people of God inside the city are dipping into their wells, drinking that fresh water. And the psalmist is using this As again as a metaphor, the physical reality is the Jews had water while they were under siege. And the spiritual reality is you have water, living water to sustain you while you are facing insurmountable troubles in life. God is in the midst of her. It's not just the water that's there. That sustains the body but God is there. There is a river. God is in the midst of her. Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet when he was looking toward the future of the restoration of the people of God he said there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams. I will not faint because I have a river. I have an unseen hidden resource that sustains me through all of the troubles and the trials of life. Yes, as the psalmist says, nations make an uproar. Pandemics can be very threatening. But what what makes the difference is whether or not you have a deep well. An inner source of strength that can sustain you and give you strength to the weary. I love Jesus' words in John chapter 7. John says on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within in him. And by this, He meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Someone reminds us of the same truth. The blessed man is the man who delights himself in the Word of God, and he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that continues to bring forth fruit. God is in the midst of her. He utters his voice, the earth melts, and that's what happened. In one evening, the angel of the Lord goes through the camp of Sennacherib and slays 185,000 men. I will not faint because I have a river. Some would also say that Psalm 46 was a favorite of St. Augustine who lived in a time when he saw the invasion of North Africa by the Vandals, saw the destruction of Alexandria, the great library of Alexandria and out of that he wrote that great treatise, The City of God. Because he understood that There is a river that sustains the city of God. That though the worst thinkable tragedy, the worst pandemic imaginable could happen, Augustine believed that still in the midst of God's people, there was a a sustaining, a life-sustaining force. I found it interesting as I read the P.A. State guidelines the other day for what businesses can stay open and stay closed at their physical locations. What they called life-sustaining businesses. And they have a varied list, somewhat arbitrary, I would think. But at least they had the sense to include in life-sustaining religious institutions, that that there is something as as the food store, as Costco is necessary and ShopRite is necessary to sustain the body, that the church of Jesus Christ, the ministry of the word of God, which is the primary uh, ministry of the church of Christ, the ministry of the word of God is life sustaining. I will not fear, because I have a river. I love how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 4, though though the outward man is perishing, yes, I could get the coronavirus and the outward man would be perishing. But though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is constantly being renewed day by day. Why we look, not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. What is the worst thing that could happen to you or me as believers, humanly speaking? To die. What is the best thing that could happen to you and me as believers? To die. To live in the presence of God. I will not fear because I have a refuge. I will not faint because I have a river that sustains the soul. And thirdly, I will not fret. I will not worry because I have a revelation. I have a promise from God. God says come. You who are intimidated by the threats of life. Come and behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. Come, see how he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. How he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. How he burns the chariots with fire. Come and be still. Literally, cease your agitation. Cease your restlessness. Or we could say, stop tossing back and forth on your bed at night. Cease your worry. Be still and know, I am God. And it doesn't matter what's happening in your world. A worldwide pandemic does not change God's eternal purpose. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. What a God we have. I will not fear, because God is my fortress and strength, the very present help in trouble. I will not faint because God has given me, he's given us his spirit that is working new life in us all the time that is reminding us that we belong to the eternal God that is reminding us that the spirit is the down payment of that whole new world that is coming and it's like a river that's overflowing. I will not not faint because I have a river and I will not worry, I will not fret because God is still God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. The day before we knew anything about COVID-19 Jesus Christ was the sovereign Lord of the universe. And now in the midst of death and growing panic God says, Come and see what I can do, and stop your worrying, and know I am, I always am God. May God grant us grace to depend on. Not on human resources, but on the resources that we have in Jesus Christ, the one who died in our place and rose again. I hope that we can say, we can heed and learn from the words of Charles Spurgeon, and I close with his words. Dwell much upon this partnership with the Son of God, unto which you have been called, for all of your hope lies there. You can never be poor while Jesus is rich. Need can never assail you, since you are a joint proprietor with him who is the possessor of heaven and earth. You can never fail for though one of the partners in the firm is as poor as a church mouse and in himself and is utterly bankrupt who could not even pay a small amount of his heavy debt. Yet the other partner is inconceivably, inexhaustibly rich in such partnership You are raised above the depression of the times. You are raised above the changes of the future. You are raised above the shock of the end of all things. The Lord has called you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. And by that act and deed, he has put you into the place of infallible safety. In Christ, he has put you in the place of infallible safety. I will not fear. I have a refuge. I will not faint. I have a river. I will not fret. I have a revelation. God is still God. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us for our unbelief. Forgive us for our worry. Not for our concern, but for our fear. Our fear that debilitates. Our fear that steals our joy in Christ. Our fear that makes other things our God instead of you. Forgive us for not having the simple faith of a child in our sovereign and good father. Help us to grow in faith during this time, to learn more about you and to learn more about where we need to grow in our relationship with you. Thank you for the trials and troubles of life that cause our hearts to see in you the eternal, never-changing, all-satisfying goodness that we need. Continue to meet with us where we are and keep in our hearts a sadness as we long for that God-ordained gathering of his people on the Lord's day. May we long for that day when this will be past and we will gather again and shake hands again and hug again and sing together and pray together. Until then, use these live streams to encourage the people of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.